Dynasty Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined again, as always, by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. We're taping at noon here on Thursday. Pull the curtain back a little bit. It's a little different for us. I mean, I guess you were playing hooky from work, so we'll get it done. Yeah, those are always good days. <laughs> get a little get a little extra work done and, and spend some extra time on, on some fantasy football stuff. We've got a, another good guest today. Uh, this is one of my favorite people I've met in the industry, a good friend of mine. And, and really, he's the reason, honestly, I am where I am in, in the fantasy football world as far as being a writer and, and even doing the show with you, Matt. We've got one of the partners over at DLF, Mr. Eric Dickens. Eric, how are you, man? Man, I'm doing great. And that was actually uh, way too kind, but I, I appreciate it. <laughs> It is it is so true. We I guess uh, I don't know four three or four years ago I got a message from Eric and asking me if I was interested in in giving writing a shot. It was it was something I had thought about as I was I guess becoming uh, more interested in, in in fantasy football and in dynasty specifically. But I'd never thought of myself as a writer, so I wasn't too sure. But I, I gave it a shot and and it's worked out pretty well so far. Nice. I didn't know that story. Yeah, that's that's the quick version, but that's that's basically yeah, yeah. it. Uh, yeah, we're going on going on five years. I think that was April of uh, 2012. You know, I I can never. I'm I'm terrible with remembering stuff like that as far as even what year it was. But the one thing I, I remember about that is I had a good friend who was getting married on the day. I guess that I was announced on Twitter as a new DLF writer. So I always have to go back and, and find her wedding date and whatever her anniversary is, that's also my DLF anniversary. So that's, <laughs> that's the way I remember that. Ryan, even worse, people are always like, yeah, you were with the Browns for a year. What year was it? I'm like, um, I got hired when with Kellen Winslow and I got let go with Braylon Edwards coming in. <laughs> it was Big Ben's rookie year. I don't know. What year was that? I never know. Yeah, I, I don't know either. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we've got Eric on today. Eric is super involved in the Dynasty community. He, of course, uh, does plenty of work for DLF, recruiting writers and, and managing us over there, doing uh, really just about everything that needs to be done. But he's also very active and, and competitive in Dynasty leagues as well, including some of the ones that I play in. Um, so what we want to do today is We've got two weeks basically worth of data, worth of information, worth of film to watch. And we just want to look at some of these players who are changing value. So we're going to take a look at some of the players who are maybe surprising, uh, both in good ways and bad ways. Talk about what their their new value is and if we're buying or if we're selling those players. Eric, before we do that, I have a quick question for you with your dynasty experience. Is this about a good time, do you think, to – you know, where a lot of people's um, opinions vary, you know, for most of the summer, most people kind of feel the same about the same players. They all, we all listen to the three of us or whoever, but now, you know, you're, you have that guy on your team that's bugging you and you've been starting them. Is now a good time to pounce in the trade world? Oh, absolutely. In, yeah. in fact, I, yeah, week two is kind of when it starts for me and it goes kind of through, and this is really unscientific, but it kind of goes through like week five or six when, when people, pretty much across the board, it's kind of like they've gotten a baseline that's kind of established value. So between now and then, I feel like you can kind of work it to your advantage, uh, especially on guys that you really like who have started slow. 
you know, trust the process. You really like them for a reason. So yeah, those are the kind of guys that I like to, to go after early in the season. Makes sense. I think uh, I think that's a really good conversation to have and, and something worth spending some time on because, you know, you've got this plan all off season. whether you think you're a contender or if you're using this as a building year. And then we've got two weeks worth of games. You know, if you thought you were – if you thought this was going to be a bad year for you and you're playing for a high draft pick in 2017 and then you start out 2-0, and you know, then what happens? Or on the other end of that, you expect your team to contend. You think you're maybe even one of the the favorites to win a title, and now you're zero and two, or you're one and one with some low scores. Then what happens, Eric? I know in in one of the leagues that we share, you've kind of had been forced to do some some reevaluating. So just tell us a little bit about that before we start talking about some specific players. Sure. Um, yeah, the the DLF Dynasty League. So it's myself, another partner DLF, and then ten writers, including Ryan and. Um, there's a couple teams that are that are pretty loaded, including Ryan's, of course. And, uh, you know, so you know that it's not enough to just kind of sneak into the playoffs, although anything can happen. You really want to set yourself up well. So uh, last year, I think I missed the playoffs on a tiebreaker. This year felt really good, had made some moves, some of my younger guys coming around, felt good about it. And it all started with, and this sounds funny to say, but it all started when uh, when Bridgewater went down. I wasn't relying on him. He was my QB two, but I really had nothing behind him. So then I'm looking at a, a Stafford quarterback situation with nothing behind him. And so, you know, okay, I can, I can uh, get a QB two or, or, or not have one for a while and go out and get one if needed. And then Keenan Allen goes down, um, which is a, a big part of my lineup. Then AP goes down for the year. Then guys like, uh, Doug Martin and Jonathan Stewart and all these guys are unavailable for a few weeks. And I start looking at my team and reevaluating, uh, not based on record. I think I'm one and one. I've scored decently kind of middle of the pack, but really just based on roster construction. And I, I have to look at it and say, do I really have a shot? And last night I <laughs> threw out seven or eight trade offers and, and uh, kind of got to the point where I realized I don't have a true shot of doing it. So there's some guys on my team that just don't make a lot of sense. Um, so, so you're yeah, getting I made out it. now. You're already getting out. You're done. Wow. Yeah, yeah and, and that's not at all based on record or even the results from the first two weeks other than injuries. But I feel like I was a borderline um, contender before and then suffered a couple of big injuries as well as some smaller ones. Um, yeah, so getting out and uh, – you know, not so a complete you were a little rebuild. bit old in that league, though. I mean, you weren't loaded with young guys. It sounds like everyone you mentioned, or you know, been around a couple years at least. Yeah, I would say I would say it's pretty mixed. Like I have, um, you know, another another issue is Watkins and his both slow start uh, and yeah. injury concerns. You know, so I mean, I could try to rely on him, but then if I don't make it, or if I make the playoffs but just barely, then I'm another year older with guys that are injured um, and. You know, so I was looking at guys like Jordy Nelson, who I, I love Jordy Nelson, huge fan, have him in several leagues. Um, but last night I moved him for um, Josh Doxson in a third in that league. Um, oh, I like that, yeah. I felt like was was good value, solid value, moved him to a contender. Um, so I'm continuing but, to make more moves as I go. But that's your total goal. You're getting draft picks. You're getting first and second year guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I actually made a made a deal with uh, Ryan last night as well. Um, and the the biggest pieces was I gave uh, Greg Olson and got back Ebron, um, along with some some smaller pieces in there as well. Um, but yeah, trying to make moves that sets me up for next year. You know, not rebuilding, looking several years down the line, but 
um, making sure that I don't waste the guys that I have on my roster. McDowell's a bear to deal with. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. We haven't done a lot of deals over the year, but this was one of the easier ones. I, I studied his roster and kind of what he needed. His team's pretty loaded, but with uh, Gates being hurt, um, I thought tight end might be a position where he'd be interested and uh, saw some pieces on his team that were, were young and he might not have as much of a need for. And so I uh, proposed the deal and it was done like 10 minutes later. So nice. it was actually an easy one. <laughs> Yeah, and I think uh, Eric and I had had some good conversations about this uh, last night and, and earlier this morning. I think a lot of what made that so easy to make that deal is is just what Eric mentioned, that he was studying his roster, he was studying my roster, he was putting the work in rather than just throwing out a random trade offer. So he had, he had mentioned earlier that that's what, you know, one thing that he really feels like can make the difference is putting that time in, uh, knowing what the other owner might uh, might want. And again, that's an easy thing to say and or to say even that you're going to do, but it's it's another thing to really dig in and put yourself in that person's shoes. Right. I think that's a great point because we've all gotten that offer from some dude in your league and it's like, why on earth would I do this? I mean, even if it's even value, like they would have no tight ends left or, you know, like they didn't even look at your roster one bit. And it's almost inconsiderate. Like, why even bother sending me that offer? I mean, it makes me doesn't make me better at all. The other thing that does is it kind of turns you off for next time when you're dealing with that guy. You know, you may right. you may just kind of pass him over when you're looking at rosters and say, ah, I don't want to deal with that because I know he doesn't have any clue of, of what I'm trying to do here. And I mean, so there's, I think, you know, yeah, in this, I think my six leagues, way. there's in my six leagues, there's probably four teams that whenever that offer comes in my inbox, I'm like, I'm going to say no to this before I even read it. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just know that's going to happen. I think the other important point from Eric, from your story there with, with the DLF league is that even though it's, it's week two, I guess, you know, it's almost week three now, it's not too early to reevaluate your team. It's not too early to change course based on injuries or underperformance or the opposite. You know, if you if you started 2-0, you're putting up big points, you know, go out and get a veteran and, and make a run at it. Because if you're in, you know, in a typical league, you probably need seven wins to get into the playoffs. If you're 2-0 already, you know, fight for those those next five wins and uh, and try to, you know, try to go for it. Well, and I think the thing you mentioned about points is important too. You know, record's important, but if you're not scoring well, it can definitely be a fluke thing. You know, if you're scoring well, then you kind of can reevaluate and say, okay, maybe my guys are performing um, sooner than I thought they were. And, and that's the case in a lot of leagues. You, you may think you're rebuilding or think you're, you're punting year one or whatever the case is. But if you start performing earlier, then yeah, definitely go with that and try to try to move some veterans onto your roster and have a, have a team that can at least give you a chance at competing. You can always move those pieces later if, if for some reason you're looking like you're on the outside of the playoffs. And the other thing is, too, is even if you trade draft picks for, you know, solid veterans, that doesn't mean by week nine you can't get out. You know, trade those guys to somebody else that's an up-and-comer and get picks back. I mean, it doesn't mean like it's a done deal forever. Yeah, that's a good point as well. Well, today we want to look at a, a few players who are certainly changing value uh, or seeing their value change, I guess, over the past couple of weeks. I don't think it can really be argued that these players are either gaining value or losing value. We want to talk about how much is that value change for real? Is it going to last? And, and what would we give up for those players? So let's start at the running back position. We've got Melvin Gordon, the second-year running back. 
of course, his situation's looking a lot better than it did uh, a couple weeks ago, unfortunately due to the Danny Woodhead injury. So Woodhead is was his competition there. He's out for the year with the torn ACL. The knock on Melvin Gordon last year was that he couldn't score touchdowns. He already has three now through two games. Uh, in our September ADP, and I'm, I'm going to be referencing this a lot in this show, our September ADP had Melvin Gordon as the running back 12, and that's the ADP from Dynasty League Football. Uh, he was running back 12. He was the 58th player overall. He's currently the running back seven through two weeks. So I think the opportunity is clearly going to be there for the rest of this season for Gordon and, and probably going forward. I mean, Woodhead's 31. He could, you know, he could certainly be done in San Diego. I don't think that would be a big surprise. But Eric, I want to start with you. Is Gordon for real? Are you a buyer on him? And uh, what would you be giving up? Yeah, I think he is for real in that he wasn't as bad as he looked last year. And with opportunity coming his way from Woodhead being gone, that is just huge, both for not, not just for production. I mean, that's pretty obvious to see, but also for development standpoint, he's going to be used in some situations, regardless of who they bring in. And, and you know, um, the cluster coming in, obviously, um, can have an impact and may get some of those touches, but they're going to be using Gordon in ways that they may not have if Woodhead was there. That's really good for him uh, for a development standpoint and also just from from strictly production. Um, so I, I would say I'm buying. I think that I would probably be buying in the range of um, treating him as he's probably a back-end RB1. So somewhere in that RB6 to RB12 range I think is appropriate. Um, I wasn't a buyer at startup prices because I don't feel like he he really fell as far as people um, – You know, everybody seemed to not like the guy and be disappointed, but they were still paying a pretty high price. Um, I don't know that his price has really grown that much. So I, I think I would be buying at this point with what I've seen. I mentioned his overall ADP in September. And when I say September, I'm talking early in the month before the season started was 58th overall. And you have to think he's going to move up some from that. So if, is he worth a top four round startup pick? He would be to me. I think I'd probably have him late third to uh, mid fourth, somewhere in that range. Okay, Matt. What about you? What you mentioned? <laughs> again, seems a little rich. Again, um, pull, pulling back the curtain before we before we started, Matt. You mentioned you never want to invest in any running back again. Yeah, yeah. We, Eric, we were talking about before you came on. It's like, oh, how about all these injuries? I'm like, man, I'm done investing in running backs. They just get blown. I mean, he's in, next week we're going to talking about uh, Brandon Oliver or somebody. Is he worth a? fifth round startup pick because Gordon <laughs> shredded his knee or, you know, I mean, it's just so bad right now these last two years, but you know, I'm not a huge McCluster fan. You know, I mean, I don't think he's going to come in and replicate Woodhead. I mean, McCluster's whole career, all those space players, you know, the, the common fans like, Oh yeah, just get him in space. He'll make people miss. Well, that works in college. That doesn't work in the NFL. You know I mean? The, the, the hash marks are, are, are at a different location. There's not that huge wide side of the field. The athletes are so much better. And McCluster's not going to do any of the inside running that Woodhead does. That doesn't leave anybody else but Gordon. I mean, I think Gordon's the goal line guy, the the early down guy, and he gets a bump certainly in the receiving world. And I think he's ready to handle it. And the other key is, you know, they they traded up for this guy in the first round. I mean, they have faith in him, if, even if we don't. And that's more important. I just don't think, um, you know, I'm almost agreeing with you, Matt. I don't think I'm going to invest in any running back that – cost 
a first round rookie pick plus, you right. know, I'm, I would rather just go by, you know, we, we've said all off season, we, we told people to go by Danny Woodhead and, you know, he got you one good game, but I don't, I mean, I hated to lose him off my teams because I, I followed my own advice and, and I acquired him in several leagues. I hate to lose him. I hate to lose that production, but I know I paid a late second or an early third round pick for him. So I'm not really even out that much. It, it hurts in the present, but it's not like I spent a first round pick on Adrian Peterson or, or some of these other guys who have disappointed or, or been hurt and that I've, you know, that I've really cost myself something. Well, and, uh, to, and to clarify, if I'm sitting there in the early third or I'm mid third, um, there's no way I'm looking at, at running back at that position anyway. So sure. I guess when I say, is he worth that cost? Yeah, I think he's probably worth that price. If you're looking at guys like Ingram and Lacey, I'd, I'd put him kind of in that group, Doug Martin, um, you know, just looking at the ADP. I think he belongs with that group, but I'm choosing a wide receiver there probably, you know, uh, nine times out of 10. So Doesn't mean he ends probably up on a moot point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on. We'll, we'll switch over to a wide receiver. This guy's kind of interesting, and he's a, a player that I've honestly not been a fan of. We're talking about Philip Dorsett. Um, his current rank is only wide receiver 66. He had a nice game in week one, was quiet last week. But he's kind of been one of the one of the players that people have been talking about, and it's because, again, because of injury. Dante Moncrief is out uh, at least a month, and it looks like Dorsett is going to get a pretty big opportunity. In our September ADP, he was the wide receiver 46. He was the 79th player overall. Again, that's preseason. I think it probably would cost a late first-round pick to acquire uh, Philip Dorsett right now. Are either one of you guys paying that? Matt, we'll start with you this time. I'm not giving up a random 17 first, you know, if I don't know where that's going to be or if it looks like it's even going to be late. No, but I might give up two seconds. I mean, I'm a fan of his work. I like him, Um, but he's going to be pretty hit or miss, I think, throughout his career. I mean, I think he's going to have a lot of weeks where he goes two for 19, and then he might win you a week, you know, five times throughout the season, four times throughout the season. I wouldn't overreact in the short term. You know, like I like him more right now for redraft because I think he's going to be on the field a lot. I would imagine the Colts are going to probably run a lot of double tight end sets. You know, I actually think the Moncrief injury helps Allen more than anybody, you know, especially down by the goal line. But he's only out a month, you know, in the dynasty world. That's not enough for me to say, boy, I got to go get Philip Dorsett right now. Eric, what about you? Oh, man, Matt took the words out of my mouth. I I feel the same way, although I think Matt may be even higher on him just in general than I am. I'm not a big Dorsett guy. I think he does what he does well, but I think he's limited in that I I don't see him becoming a wide receiver two on my dynasty teams. And if I can't see that type of potential, and and I guess I mean every week potential because he certainly can score and have big weeks, but if I can't pencil him in as a wide receiver two on my dynasty team, at least in my mind, then I'm not willing to give up um, a first-round pick. I, I see absolutely the bump this year, especially with you know four to six weeks of no Moncrief, um, but I completely agree with what Matt said about the, the double tight end set. I think Allen gets a bump, and I even think Jack Doyle gets a bump, which, by the way, I, I know a lot of people wrote off you know week one as kind of a fluke, but he put up a few points again last week. He's getting targets there. Um, that's just part of their offense. It's just going to be how it is. So um, I've picked him up in quite a few leagues because I got him for free off the waiver wire. Um, but I think they both get a bump more, uh, not more than Dorsett, but certainly more than people are uh, giving him credit for. 
And, and the thing with all of these players that, that are gaining value over the past two weeks, if you're buying those guys now, you're buying high. You know, you're right, right. you're buying at a higher price than they cost two weeks ago, at a higher price than they cost all offseason. And that's that's not always a bad thing because, you know, we can see breakout players who continue to ascend in both their production and their dynasty value. But it's something to, to consider. I, I mean, I generally try to avoid that unless I think, you know, absolutely they're going to continue that that rise in value. Ryan, I almost feel like the question isn't, hey, will you are you a buyer on Philip Dorsett? It's more like I bet the three of us are sitting here going, I'd sell them right now. <laughs> you know, like the sell high move. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Dorsett is a guy I would sell, especially if I'm getting a first based on a lot of what y- you both have said. You know, I, I think so often, and, and we're going to do it the rest of this episode, we try to assign pick value to players. You know, is he worth a first or is he worth a second? And, and that's not always, you know, it doesn't always work that way. Just because a player is not worth a first doesn't mean you can acquire them for a second. You know, you might have to give multiple seconds. You might have to give a player and a second rounder. Or you might just find in your league that uh, there's an owner that doesn't agree with the market and you have to overpay. So this is definitely not an exact science. Ryan, check your inbox in Hyperactive 4. Philip Dorsett just went on the block. Oh, all right. Good luck with that. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's look at another wide receiver. This one's a rookie, Tajay Shark of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, kind of like Dorsett, he, um, his current rank is, is not overly impressive. He's just the wide receiver 45, which is about in line with his preseason ADP. He was drafted as the wide receiver 47 after a strong training camp and preseason. Uh, and he started well in week one. He was quiet last week had a down game, but I think he's clearly established himself as the top option in Tennessee for whatever that's worth. Uh, I think he would certainly cost a first-round pick, maybe even more. Eric, are you, are you a buyer? Or are you a seller? If you have Sharp, what are you doing with him? Um, I think I'm a seller, but I really like him as a player. Um, I like the consistency. Uh, different than Dorsett, if I remember right, their remember preseason ADP was very, very close, um, and so I, I personally would prefer Sharp because I think different than Dorsett, his isn't just based off of current opportunity uh, with a player being out. I mean, they literally traded away a, a young guy who they had hoped would turn into a wide receiver for one and he that role without any clear threat to his job. He's also been consistent, if not spectacular. Um, but all that being said, I see the ceiling for him to be, like I said, a wide receiver one or wide receiver two for my fantasy team. So I, I'm a seller. I actually moved him um, in one of the leagues that I'm in. It's a contract league. And so I moved him. He was on a, a three-year deal. Moved him in a, a late pick for um, four years of Michael Thomas of the Saints. And and I like a move like that. It's it's fairly lateral, um, but I prefer Thomas's upside. And the extra year doesn't, doesn't hurt anything. All right, Matt, any thoughts on Sharp? Yeah, um... I think he's a great story. I do think he's the number one in Tennessee. He's been impressive. I mean, I don't own him anywhere, but everyone out there that owns him either spent a fourth-round pick in your rookie draft for him or you picked him up off waivers in week one of the preseason or something along those lines. Nobody has anything invested in him if you have him on your roster. I'd flip him now in a heartbeat for a 17 first. I mean, to me, that's just – I made profit. I'm out. 
adios, uh, you know, and take the money and run type of deal. And that's not really a knock on him. But the Titans have a wealth of, you know, early picks coming up in these next couple of drafts. They could end up with Juju or Williams or, you know, top receiver in this draft to pair with Mariota for the next couple of years. And in terms of talent and upside, I mean, I don't think he's Stephon Diggs. You know, I don't think he's dripping with talent. I mean, to me, he's he's not a he's not a just a guy, but I don't think he's special. All right. Well, good. Uh... Good timing on the mention of Stefan Diggs. He's the next player we want to talk about. He's the I'm wide receiver. <laughs> it's impressive. He's the, <laughs> uh, he's the wide receiver two in PPR Fantasy League so far. He was drafted uh, in earlier in the month as the wide receiver 41. And I don't know about you guys, but he's just he's already a player that's making me question what I was thinking. You know, we, we saw it last year. He put up numbers in – an offense that is is built to run yet he still uh you know he still produced he was uh, a fantasy starter the the back end of the season he's obviously young he's in his second year and we pretty much uh we pretty much wrote him off um, i don't know if it was because you know they added uh, laquan treadwell i'm i'm really not sure what it was but he was he was basically passed over in the dynasty community by most people he had a 6th or 7th round adp most of the off season, and now people are are asking, is he going to be a first round startup pick next year? Questions like that I've seen. That may be taking it a bit too far, but he's he's obviously gaining value. Uh, if you have digs, and Matt, let's go back to your your question. If you do have digs, are you selling him or are you writing this out? Uh, Eric, Ooh. what do you think? Uh, I'm not selling. I'm <laughs> I'm writing this out. And in fact, he's one of the guys I'm willing to buy high on. You know, I'd love for him to have a, a down game or two, or maybe just a quiet game or two to to depress the you know the value just a lot slightly. Cheaper five days ago, I bet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm I'm definitely a believer, and like you said, sometimes you need to buy high. He's a guy that I'm willing to buy high on. Um, I think his future is bright. I think if Treadwell can emerge, it helps him, not hurts him. Um, I think they got something going on there, and so yeah, I'm definitely buying or uh, holding if I'm an owner. I'm with you on Treadwell. I think he could actually help him, you know, and I think that would, he would help that offense as a whole. I'm a very much a believer in Diggs. I actually just wrote an article, and I seem to write this article every year for like the last 12 years, but, you know, the, the word in the NFL, this isn't fantasy, but wide receiver one term is thrown around way too much for my liking in the NFL. You know, there's not 32 of them in the world. You know, everyone doesn't have one. The Titans don't have one. You know, Des Bryant's is a wide receiver one. Calvin Johnson's a wide receiver one. You get my drift here. I think Diggs is a wide receiver one. And to me, that's huge praise. There's only 15 or 20 of those in the world. My, that being said, and yes, I would buy high on him. I would not be interested in selling. But I could also see the the, time, the next time that Ryan and I get together next week and say, that awful offensive line of the Vikings just got Sam Bradford killed, and now Sean Hill's the quarterback again. Yeah, I could see that as well. Actually, in some of my super flex leagues, I've, I'm already grabbing Sean Hill. You know, we've seen Bradford for one game. He he had to leave the field. He got banged up uh, already. I mean, I hope he can stay on the field because, uh, you know, it's a great story. They gave up a lot. They're a talented team despite these injuries, but we just can't assume that he's going to make it through the season. Let's talk about Tevin Coleman, the running back in Atlanta, second year back. He won that job. You know, I think people forget that. He won that job in training camp last year, had the minor injury, and Devontae Freeman took it and ran with it. 
and, and Coleman kind of had a, a bit of a red shirt year. So he's currently the running back 11 in PPR leagues, uh, largely in part to his, his role as the receiving back in Atlanta. Uh, he was drafted as the running back 34 uh, just a few weeks ago, number 111 overall. So let's just talk about both of these guys a little bit, Coleman and, um, and Freeman there. For me, I'm, I'm just kind of avoiding both of these guys. I'm not sure which way to go. I think they're both talented. They're both going to put up points. I, I don't know if we can start them both or if it's going to be a, a weekly guessing game. Matt, what are, you, what are you doing with those Atlanta backs? Big picture, I'm coming around on the idea that Matt Ryan – Shanahan second year improved offensive line that the Falcons have a very good offense. You know, I think they're going to be one of the better top 10 type offenses here. I'm, I'm believing that two good backs. Um, I think your point is valid. You know, the Coleman won this job and this is, this, you know, Coleman's the guy this staff handpicked and it wasn't Freeman and Freeman kind of fell into things. Plus Freeman fell, fell off at the end of next year. I, I've had a, Coleman and Hyperactive 2, which is a huge rebuild. I've been trying to deal them since I picked them in the, uh, not the, suppl- the, not the supplemental draft, but the whatever, dispersal draft. Can't get anybody to bite on him. And then you just said he's running back 11, and my jaw almost dropped. I couldn't believe he's, he's at that point right now. I, I don't want either one. Eric, what about you? I actually, I, I've never really been a big Coleman fan. I didn't know if Freeman could carry the load going into last year, so I won't pretend that I was all over him. But I think this is just the new NFL. I mean, this is just what teams are doing. What they want to do is they want to have multiple options and guys that can do more than one thing. I I don't know that Tevin Coleman has wrapped up that passing game. Um, I think that that's how he's been used so far. But Freeman is very good in the passing game. So I think they're just going to use – I think they're going to use a rotation. And I think both guys have some value. Um, I think Freeman is more talented while Tevin Coleman has the ability to break huge plays. So, of course, you want to get him on the field. To me, it kind of reminds me a little bit different, but a little bit of Geo Hill in Cincinnati. I mean, both of those guys do a little bit different things, but they can kind of both do the same thing as well. You know, Hill is, isn't a, a true slouch in the passing game like some might think. And same thing here. Both guys can kind of do similar things, although I think Freeman's much better um, near the goal line and, and probably a better just true runner. Coleman needs a little bit of space to, to hit the hole. But ultimately, I'm probably selling Coleman just based off of his hot start. And I'm probably buying Freeman if anybody's willing to sell at, at a cheaper uh, rate than he was going last year. But I think they're a true split. I don't see this as... Um, a mirage of any kind. I think they're going to continue to split touches. I don't think any of us believe this, but I do think there's people out there that think Tevin Coleman has a lot of David Johnson to him. I don't. Yeah, I think that would be a big mistake. To, to yeah, think exactly. that. You're right. Yeah, I, right. I totally agree with you. I think that is, I think that is what people think, and I, I definitely don't see that from him. And I know you're you're saying you don't either. Exactly. There's a, a couple more guys I want to talk about who are gaining value. Uh, and then we'll move on to some who are losing that dynasty value. Uh, this next guy, he he's the player I I would be buying high on. He's the player I've, I've probably uh, done a 180 on in the past two or three weeks. Uh, it's the rookie receiver from Houston, Will Fuller. Um, he was a guy basically avoided in rookie drafts. I ended up with him in one or two leagues. I think they were actually contract auction leagues and, and just got him – fairly cheap 
the same the same rap that that so many others have talked about. I was worried about the hands. I was worried is he going to be the third or fourth option in that passing game. I'm loving what I'm seeing from Will Fuller, and he's going to be he's going to be crazy high the next time I update my dynasty wide receiver rankings. Matt, what do you think about Fuller? Are you are you paying what is it? Is it the iron price? Yeah, I'm not uh, quite there yet. Okay. But. I, I still need- <laughs> I still need to catch up on Game of Thrones, but yeah, you'll uh, be happy about it. All right, everybody dies. A- anyways, <laughs> <laughs> and that is not actually a spoiler alert. <laughs> you recognize that from the first first show. Anyways, he was a guy like you. I didn't have any interest in rookie drafts. I thought he was Ted Ginn. You know, I mean, I thought he was Mike Wallace on a good day. And I do. I'm with you. I'm coming around that he's certainly better than that. I love him for real football because he's such a good compliment to Hopkins and that running game and, you know, an Osweiler friendly option. But I bet he's a little out of my price range if you're talking trades. Yeah. I mean, I would expect him to cost multiple first round picks at this point. Yeah. I'm not doing that. Unless you have one of these first that looks like it's going to be a a top three guaranteed. And I'm not saying you should pay that price, but unless that's the, the single first you're giving up, I don't think you're getting him for a late 17 first, which which goes back to that that buying high uh, idea. You know, are you willing to do that, and and what does that look like in your specific league? Yeah, he's played two games. He has 100 yards in both games. I mean, I don't think he's going to end up with 1,800 yards this year. Right. Well, I don't either. I mean, he is yeah. the type of he's the type of player. You know, he doesn't see a lot of targets uh, in that offense, especially with with Hopkins there. I think that will be the pattern that he gets few targets and and does a lot with them. You know, he's still going to have the drops. He's made a, a couple of bad drops already, but he's going to have those long touchdowns. You know, I, I saw, I've seen the Deshaun Jackson comparison quite a bit, and, and that makes sense as far as a boomer bust player. He's going to have weeks where he, he probably puts up a zero or close to it. I mean, he's a fast guy among fast guys. I mean, he's a rare speed player. Eric, where, so, where are you with Will Fuller? Well, let me ask you a question first. If you're buying high on Stefan Diggs or Will Fuller, are they going around the same price right now, do you think? I'd much rather have Diggs. I would rather have Diggs as well, but I think the price is probably similar, honestly. Hmm. Uh, yeah, if the, if the price is similar, I'm definitely more in the Diggs camp. Ryan, I think you said something that is is interesting, though. You said that he probably won't get a lot of targets, and that's what concerns me is that the production he's had thus far has come on a ton of targets. Um, he had 11 in the first game, seven last game. So he's like top 20 in the NFL. And I'm just eyeballing it here. He maybe he falls right outside, but he's like top 20 in the NFL in targets right now. And that's what I worry about not being able to continue. I do think you're right. He's going to hit big. And I think Deshaun Jackson's a great comp for him, especially after watching him play in the, in the NFL uh, regular season for a couple of weeks. Um, I like the guy and have definitely come around on him, uh, but I couldn't pay that price and feel good about it. So let's talk about where he ranks among the rookie wide receivers. And, and in a way, you know, you see this conversation a lot looking back at rookie drafts and in some ways, I think that's kind of a meaningless conversation, but it also is a way to give perspective to what we thought three or four months ago. So, Ryan, let me turn this around to you real quick, though, because you and I had Treadwell as our number one receiver. You can't possibly still have him number one, do you? I, I don't. I mean, I still like him, but I can't take him over Fuller or Coleman or Shepard. No, no. I actually, uh, someone asked me this morning, in fact, our, our buddy Kevin O'Brien, who we've had on the show a 
fellow writer of mine at DLF asked me what, you know, what would my rookie rankings look like now? And it would be Elliott still one, Coleman two. Uh, I think Fuller would probably be three, honestly. For me, he's jumped Treadwell. He's jumped Shepard. He's jumped Michael Thomas. Uh, he's jumped Josh Dotson. Uh, I think I must be more stubborn than you guys. I, I can't, I just can't move him up that much. It kind of reminds me, and again, different different scenario. So I'm using the words reminds me, but it's not the exact same thing. But it reminds me of before we saw OBJ play. You know, we haven't seen Treadwell play, and I'm not at all saying he's OBJ because he's not. They don't look anything alike. They don't play the game anything alike. And I don't expect him to to come and set the world on fire like OBJ did. But I think it's too early to knock guys down too much that haven't seen the field or a guy like Doxon who – um, hasn't been fully healthy and isn't into the role that he's going to play for the rest of his NFL career. So I, I have definitely moved Fuller a lot, but for me, he can't jump those guys or, or Corey Coleman, who we've seen, seen back up, you know, his high ranking. I think that's a good point. And I would be putting offers out for Treadwell right now, like crazy, you know, cause, but you know, what's different from him and OBJ was, Odell was fighting a hamstring for the preseason in the first month sure. of the season or so. This guy can't beat out Charles Johnson. Yeah, no, that, and that's a valid point. And that's what I'm saying. It is different, um, but it does remind me of that in that we haven't seen it yet. And we don't really know the reasoning behind it. You know, I, and, and that's my thing is I want to see him hit the field and at some point he'll get his shot and then we'll be able to make that, you know, make that decision. But I need to see a little bit first. Well, Kevin, in this conversation on Twitter this morning, Kevin also reminded me, we saw this was the same situation with Diggs last year as well. And he wasn't as high of a draft pick as, as Treadwell. He didn't come in with, with those expectations, but he was a rookie receiver that we thought they would probably use. And early in the season, they didn't, you know, they were trotting out Charles Johnson and Adam Thielen and, and these other guys. And then in week four or five, here comes Diggs and he's, he's setting the world on fire. So, you know, that's, that's good perspective to have. And it's, it's so easy to get caught up in two weeks, three weeks, four weeks of production and, you know, totally lose that perspective and lose the thoughts that you had in preseason. So I, I think it's important to make those shifts in, in our thinking, but it's also uh, important not to overreact. All right, let's move on to some players who are losing value. Some of these guys, uh, we've mentioned some of the names already, are losing value due to injury, in, in Treadwell's case, uh, just simply not getting on the field, or uh, some players who have disappointed. Let's start with a couple of guys who have torn their ACL. They are out for the year. We've got Keenan Allen uh, and Danny Woodhead. We'll start with Allen. Uh, of course, he was being drafted uh, borderline first rounder uh, in startup drafts most of the offseason, late first, early second rounder. His September ADP put him at the wide receiver 10 spot. And uh, of course he's, he's way down the list now he's wide receiver 81, which is, which is basically meaningless. Um, he's out for the year with the ACL. What are we doing with Allen? Are we buying him? He, you know, he missed a lot of last year. People are calling him injury prone. They're giving up on him, even though uh, the injuries have been unique to one another. He's, he's a young stud wide receiver. If I can get him cheap, I think I want to do that. Matt, do you agree with that? Eric, remember you opened the show and you were talking about that team that got ravaged by injuries. Wasn't Allen one of them? Yeah. Yep. See, like Of all those guys, like I'd be dealing Martin. I'd be dealing Peterson and like the trades you made with Ryan and 
But I would hang on Allen. I mean, I think he's a hold in your situation for sure. Because it's not like you're going to trade him to a contender and he's going to be like, boy, thanks. I'm going to win the league with Allen this year. Uh, and the thing I like about Allen is he's very young. He came in the league very young. You know, I mean, he, I think he's only 24, maybe he's 25. But it also wouldn't shock me if the Chargers' first-round pick next year is a wide receiver. Uh, Eric, I don't know. Where, where are you at with your evaluation on Allen? Yeah, I, honestly, I just don't buy the injury-prone label. Um, and so for me, um, I'm, I'm a buyer. He's a young guy. He's 24 years old. He is clearly the guy in that offense and any wide receiver that emerges this year, if, if uh, Tyrell Williams continues to, that's going to be a good thing for him when he comes back, not a bad thing. They don't have a ton of weapons to where it's going to take a lot of snaps from him. Gates is getting older. Um, Rivers loves Allen. I mean, they have a, a great connection. I, For me, he's definitely a buy. The problem is I already own him in half the leagues from when I bought last year when he got injured. So, you know, the freak injury last year, way different than this year. Um, I don't think he's had as many injuries or as many consistent injuries as people tend to think. He just hasn't been in the league very long. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, he played another three, four years without a major injury. So, yeah, for me, I'm buying for sure. And I think he's a tough guy. I mean, it takes a lot to get him off the field. I don't think he's the nicked up week to week, not going to play if he's got a little ailment type of guy. I think when an injury like this happens and and they're out for an extended period of time, you know, obviously we can't use him in our lineups the rest of the season. They have to lose some degree of value, even if we consider them, you know, a player to target and, and go buy and stash. So I, I guess let's try to figure out where that is. He was wide receiver 10 in our September ADP, an ADP of 14 overall. Let's move down to 20. 20 was Jordan Matthews. Are you giving up Jordan Matthews? Yep. To stash Keenan Allen. Yep, absolutely. Okay, what about Jarvis Landry? Probably. That would be a tough one for me. If I'm if I, if I need production, that would be a hard move. If I don't, absolutely, I, I would prefer. You know, if I'm looking at next year and beyond, I would prefer Keenan Allen over Landry. And I get the feeling though that if you have Land, if if we're talking that deal, I bet I can squeeze a third round pick out of you too. You know what Landry, I mean? Like, yeah, Landry I mean, a third round pick. Okay. I mean, if you're a contender and you have Allen and you want Landry from me, I bet I can get a little something on the side with it. Okay. Randall Cobb. Yeah. I'd rather have Allen. Allen. Okay. So he's not, he's not dropping too far then from that 10 spot. Which How about is Fuller? Good... You know, I think those are the guys, you know, Fuller and Diggs. Those are the guys. I'd rather have Diggs than Allen. Uh, even Kelvin Benjamin, you know, these guys who yeah. I don't want to call it breakout. We've seen it from them before, at least from Diggs and Benjamin. Those are the guys where it gets interesting. I, I would agree with that. I would probably rather have Diggs, but I think they are probably as close as as close as you could get. I mean, I just the thing that I keep going back to is if he's being discounted, great, but it's because of injuries. And if you look back at his injuries, so 2012, he tore his PCL when he was in college. 2014, 2013, he was fine. 2014, he had a weird tackle late in the game. He got a, I think it was a broken collarbone or shoulder bone, and he missed a couple of games at the end of the season, and then he had a lacerated kidney last year. So, you know, none of those scream to me that they're going to be ongoing issues. The ACL this year is the by far the most concerning. Um, and, you know, obviously, if, if he gets hurt again, it would severely damage his value. But as of right now, I 
if you want to buy him, I like what it did to his value. I think you can probably get him for somewhere past that wide receiver 20 range um, currently, kind of like what Matt was alluding to. So you mentioned Diggs kind of being in that range. Does that mean you're putting Diggs in the wide receiver 15 to 20 range overall? Yeah. Yeah, he'd be in there for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. No doubt, yeah. All right, let's talk about Danny Woodhead. Uh, we, we mentioned him earlier. Uh, he – was he was actually a, a great value? I think he was the wide. Res- uh, I'm sorry, the running back 42. No, and- wide receiver is probably more correct. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, that is true. He was uh, running back 42 in our preseason ADP value at 129 overall. He is 31 years old, though. He's he has had a history of injuries. People don't talk about it as much because he hasn't been. You know, he wasn't an early pick ever. He he hasn't been kind of in the spotlight like like Allen and some of these other bigger names. I guess my question with Woodhead is, is he even worth hanging on to? Is he worth a roster spot at this point? Eric? I, I really don't think so, unless you have the ability to put him on IR and you don't already have it filled up with your other, you know, 19 guys that are injured. Um, but unless you're just super deep or have a spot for him, uh, between the fact that he has had some severe injuries in the past and then combine that with his age and then the position is what does it for me. Uh, with the 2017 class that's coming in, there are going to be a lot of guys who lose their job. And I don't mean like out of the NFL. I just mean they go from being part of a committee to a true backup or being a lead back to being relegated to maybe just part of a, a bigger committee. And for me, there's going to be guys that can replace what he does, and he's going to be 32 years old, you know, coming off an injury. So I love Woodhead. I had him in multiple leagues, and um, his loss was a tough one because of that production. But I can't see continuing to roster him in smaller leagues through this injury. Yeah, I mean, if you have a bad team, maybe, you know, I mean, uh, as opposed to picking up a fifth tight end that will never play and, you know, the long shot guys that are bottom of the roster dudes. But, I mean, if you're the GM of the Chargers, I, I don't think you can count on Woodhead, even if, you're, if your doctors say recovery is going great, to be your receiving back next year. I mean, you got to bring somebody else in or – Hopefully McCluster hits. I don't know that he will, but you know you got to draft a running back in the third round that can catch passes or something. I mean, I don't think your his even his team can count on him. So one player nobody is considering dropping is Adrian Peterson. He was drafted as the running back seven. Uh, of course, he suffers the injury on Sunday Night Football, and the news just got worse and worse on that as as the week went along. Um, I think the latest that I've seen is. His expected recovery time is as much as six months. I've, I've read people talking about a potential return in, in December or January if they make some type of playoff run. I think that seems like, uh, I don't know, that seems like very optimistic thinking. I'm, I'm assuming he's done for the season. But he's also 31 years old. Nobody's dropping him, like I said, but, but what are we doing with him? Is he, is he worth buying? Uh, he's certainly not worth a first-round rookie pick. Would you pay a second for him just to stash him and see what happens? Matt, let's think. start with you. I don't think yeah, – I mean, I know it wasn't his fault, but he averaged like 1.4 yards a carry in the first two weeks. <laughs> you know, I mean, that leaves a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. His age, second major injury, and – you know, just from an NFL perspective, I bet he's not a Viking next year. I mean, he's making a ton of money. I mean, he's by far the highest-paid running back out there, and there's no way you can justify that anymore if you're the Vikings. Is that good or bad? I mean, does he end up in New England? <laughs> you know, then I'm like, oh, that wouldn't mind having Adrian Peterson with Tom Brady and Gronkowski. 
that would be a you know a Belichick type move. But to give up a second round pick for him right the second, I don't think I can do that. And that's what he's going to cost. Yeah, I don't think he's coming any cheaper than that. And what you mentioned is the other story that I guess storyline that has emerged from this is he's probably done in Minnesota. I think that I think his number is eighteen million next year. It's crazy. Yeah, uh, he'll be thirty-two this time next year. So yeah, I would say there's a good chance he is not with Minnesota um, going forward. Eric, what are you thinking about Peterson? You know, it's funny when you said that that nobody's dropping him. Um, I put out I put out a little poll on Twitter yesterday, um, and kind of reactionary poll, one to see the gut feel of what people thought. So I didn't give a lot of explanation. I just said, "What should Dynasty owners do with Adrian Peterson?" Had a couple hundred responses. Forty nine percent said hold. Eighteen percent said drop, just clean drop. And then the other option that I put in there was uh, trade him for a third, um, and thirty three percent said that. So. Um, between those trading him away for a third and those dropping him, you're over 50% there. And uh, that, that says a lot. So yeah, I kind of agree. I, I think I would probably move him right now for a early to mid third round pick. It, as much as it hurts me to say that, I own him in, a, I think, two dynasty leagues. And if I get an offer today, you know, I'll, I'll move him for, for that. Um, the 18 million he's owed comes with no dead money. So there's just no reason for them to keep him around at that price. Maybe they renegotiate with him, but if I was him, I, you know, I'd be out shopping for the the best deal I could get. Um, so, yeah, I I don't think there's that many people literally cutting him. Probably just reactionary and how frustrated they are. Um, but I don't see him as a Viking next year. And again, that 2017 running back class is is going to change a lot of landscapes. Well, exactly. You know, if if this time or, or next off season you can pay Adrian Peterson way too much money for you know for his name value or you can draft Jalen Hurd in the third round you know that that seems like a pretty easy choice if you're managing an NFL team yeah and you go spend that money on a left tackle exactly exactly all right let's talk about another running back uh Ezekiel Elliott you know he's he's actually performing as a running back too he's the running back 21 on the season so far. He's scored um, in each of his first two games. He's also had two fumbles over that span. He was drafted as the running back two overall and ADP of eight overall. So he was a first round pick in our September drafts. You know, he's not a guy like some of these others who we're seeing his value just, just completely fall off the table. He's still carrying a lot of value, but I'm thinking those people, we talked about it last week, those people, who drafted him in the first round are probably regretting that a little bit. Eric, are you buying Zeke or do you see his, his trade value coming down at all? I don't, yeah, this was going to say is I don't think his value is actually changing. I think people are just mildly disappointed if this continues and another four or five weeks go by and he's not, you know, going nuts and, and helping owners win, then I could see the value slipping slightly. Uh, I'm not worried about him at all. So if I'm an owner, there's just, uh, I wouldn't even be concerned. You know, I, I typically try in dynasty to not count on rookies, even rookie running backs going to a great spot with a clear workload ahead of them. That's just not how um, I set up my dynasty teams. I don't want to be counting on those guys. If I get them early, they're a bonus. And so, you know, if I'm an owner, I'm not freaking out by any means. I'm not looking to move him, but I'm probably not buying it. Uh, what'd you say? Running back two prices going in the first round of startup. Yeah, that's too high for me because he's a running back. <laughs> well, I think an interesting conversation at, at this point is 
what do those top four running backs look like? And I think most people would agree that, that the top tier is, in some order, Elliott, Gurley, David Johnson, and Le'Veon Bell. And, and I actually tweeted earlier this week that there is no running back one. You know, it, it seems like I'm not ready to put David Johnson in that spot. He's the, the one who we've seen perform of those three. Uh, Elliott and Gurley have both been, you know, pretty, pretty bad or at least disappointing through two games, and, and we know Bell is, is serving his suspension. So who do you guys consider the running back one overall in Dynasty? My opinion on Elliott hasn't changed at all. I mean, I, I still have extreme faith. You know, you were talking about these are the, this is the top tier of, you know, of Dynasty running backs. You know, how should we sort them out? I think we sort them out on somebody else's team. You know, like I, I have a couple of those guys. And I've been trying to trade them. You can't get value for them. And now it's gotten worse. You know, if in a perfect world in a startup, I just wouldn't draft any of them. I'm not sure any of us would. I mean, we're all receiver first people. Um, David Johnson's pretty darn appealing, though. And, and you know, I, I watched a lot of Le'Veon Bell in training camp. He looks better than ever. So just a, a word of warning that he is going to burst on the scene like a madman. So he might be my choice. Um, speaking of madmen. Do you happen to know what Loot Crate's theme is for October? It's horror. That makes sense, doesn't it? So if you're looking for gear, collectibles, houseware, and more from your favorite pop culture franchises, we've got you covered. Loot Crate offers a range of geek and gamer items for less than $20 a month. Want to bring your loot to the next level? Get bigger box with even bigger loot from Loot Crate DX. If you're more the type to wear your geeky heart on your sleeve, then Loot Wear, our monthly wearables, and an accessory subscription is the droid you're looking for. That chill running up your spine is not your imagination. It's Loot Crate's October theme. Horror with an exclamation point. We're, we're taking over 40 years of creepy, campy, bloody icons and putting them in this month's crate. Channel your best final girl with, with items from The Walking Dead, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Halloween. You have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive this month's crate. Make sure you head to lootcrate.com slash dynastyblueprint, enter the code dynastyblueprint, and you'll save two bucks off of your subscription today, which is already under 20 bucks. All right. Thanks, Matt. Sure. Uh, I've got just, just a couple more players I want to talk to you guys about. I, I think both are losing value but I think I'm approaching those two players in different ways. Let's start with Sammy Watkins. You know, he's, he's got this foot injury. He dealt with it all offseason. It's, it's still clearly bothering him. He's the wide receiver 82 through two games played. Um, he was drafted just a few weeks ago as the wide receiver nine and the 11th player overall. Eric, I know Sammy is one of your favorite guys. What are you doing with Sammy Watkins? Yeah, he he's yeah he's absolutely one of my favorite guys. I have him across uh, quite a few of my leagues, and I'm starting to get a little bit worried. I, I am starting to get worried. I probably wouldn't pay the price today that I would into the season. I do have some hope, though. I think there's a little bit of hope on the horizon with the firing of Greg Roman. Not that he was the problem in Buffalo. I think that's probably. Uh, some different coaching positions there. But I do think that it was about not getting the ball into their playmakers' hands, which bodes well for him, provided he can stay, you know, playing in games and and healthy. So 
I do think that his his stock is going down, but I'm absolutely holding um, and probably trying to buy if I can. So let's go back to a similar conversation that we had with Alan. Let's try to figure out where that value is currently. And let's just start there. Allen, Keenan Allen versus Sammy Watkins. Watkins was wide receiver nine earlier this month. Allen was wide receiver 10. Uh, are you taking Sammy Watkins over Allen? Yeah, I would be. Uh, I mean, part of it's because you get the, the 2016 production. What do you think, Matt? I guess, you know, but my take on Watkins is I love him. I, I think he's very, very much a buy. I'm not a believer that, you know, he's injury prone. It takes a lot for me to believe a player in general is injury prone. However, I think the Bills will pick in the top five this year. I think they're going to be a terrible team for the rest of the year. I don't think Watkins will be the same the entire season. So his 2016 production doesn't have me real excited. And I think he's a leave him on your bench until you prove otherwise guy for 16. But, yeah, I'll take him over Allen because he's healthier right to second. And I liked him before both injuries more than Allen. What about Sammy versus Brandon Cooks? Cooks. Man, that's a tough one for me. You know, if I'm contending, I probably can't ignore the fact that Cooks is healthy and putting up the numbers and looks really, really good um, and has weapons around him, which really helps him. It would be a really tough call for me. I'd probably lean Cooks if I'm contending. If I'm, you know, if I'm in the building stages, I'm probably still going to have Sammy just slightly ahead, but I think it's very closer for me than it's ever been. All right, the last player I want to talk about is uh, Kevin White, the wide receiver for the Bears. Uh, I guess technically the second-year wide receiver, but we're seeing him now play his his first action in the NFL after missing last season. Uh, I mentioned earlier kind of coming around on Will Fuller and, and even Philip Dorsett, changing my, my mind on those guys. And Kevin White is a guy I'm not changing my tune on. I, I've never really been a fan. I didn't get him anywhere I actually just traded for him kind of almost as a throw-in. So I do have one share that I hopefully won't have for very long. But he's the wide receiver 75. He was being drafted as the wide receiver 22 in September, 34th overall. So we're talking about the end of the third round. No insult to anyone or, or anything like that. I just I can't understand how anyone would have drafted him in the second or third round or even fourth round at any point this offseason. Matt, what are you thinking about Kevin White? I loved him coming out of school. I, I liked, I've liked him a lot for Dynasty every step of the way. I mean, I don't think I'd have used a second-round startup pick on him. But I'm officially worried. You know, I mentioned the Bills are going to pick in the top five. Well, I think the Bears are too. I mean, I think that organization's in big trouble this year. And just on White, he doesn't look good. He doesn't look explosive and powerful like he did coming out of West Virginia. He doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. I mean, he runs very, very simple routes and only, you know, three or four of them. He runs goes and he runs, you know, bubble screens. He's a long way away. And if he looked explosive and powerful, those other things wouldn't worry me, but he doesn't. Well, and he's also a, a, technically a, a 24-year-old rookie. So, right, right. you know, is he? how long is it going to take him to get there and – Who's his quarterback next year? Is Alshon Jeffrey there next year? Their line's a mess. They have no running game. Other than that, it's great. There's there's too many questions. Eric, do you like White at all, or have you found uh, have you found your evaluation of him changing? Um, I think I think it needs to change. Um, I'll say I really like White. I really liked him coming out. He reminds me a little bit of Josh Doxson, Um, to compare him to I guess somebody 
younger and and uh, newer to the league than him. Uh, I think where he was going in startups is crazy. It's way too high of a price, you know, for me to pay. Um, so I think I only roster him in leagues where I've either uh, got him in a rookie draft or uh, in some kind of a deal, but I, I wasn't paying that type of price. You know, it's a little bit concerning. I think the situation in Chicago is concerning, um, except when you think about how bad they're going to be and how much they're going to need to throw. And so he's going to get more targets. He's going to get plenty of targets throughout the season. I think right now he's tied for targets with Alshon Jeffrey. Um, I like that he plays opposite Jeffrey, at least for the rest of this year. Um, you know, it gives him a chance to not have to go up against those cornerback ones. And I don't think he's healthy yet. So I guess I would temper everything that I've said with, I want to see him when uh, we get a little bit further into the season, but I'm certainly not going out and and trying to buy him anywhere um, unless I get him for a really nice deal. All right. Well, we have so many, so many other players that are gaining value and losing value, but I, I, I think the, the idea to come from this show is just that it's not too late or I'm sorry, it's not too early to go out and start making some changes. It's not too early to reevaluate your team, your standing in your league and make moves based on that. Uh, Eric, we want to thank you for joining us today. Do great work over at dynasty league football and just tell us where we can find, uh, find you and your work on Twitter. Sure. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm DL football. Um, and I am basically just trying to spread the word about Dynasty, um, convert as many people from DFS or redraft into Dynasty players, uh, and also you know really inform our audience, um, which is what I try to do. Try to make sure that uh, you know I point to articles, whether they're at DLF or otherwise, that are going to help Dynasty owners become more informed. And uh, we work really hard to do that through the forum and through um, our premium content. I really appreciate you guys coming, let me come on, listen to the show every week. Um, think it's terrific. Love hearing you guys kind of go back and forth. Uh, Matt, your, your viewpoint on the real NFL um, is, is something sorely needed and lacking in the community, especially in dynasty an understanding of how that translates from the actual field to the fantasy box score. So always enjoy getting that side of it. And of course, Ryan, uh, I love your work both at DLF, Roto world and everywhere else you are. So thanks guys. Absolutely. Thank you. This was a blast. Yep. Thanks again, Eric. And we'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint.